Welcome to this Uvula Audio presentation of The Lone Ranger and the Mystery Ranch by Fran Stryker. Volume 7, Chapter 19, Dark Depths. As long as I've known Grant Whitcomb, I never knew him to do a thing that wasn't strictly on the level, and I've known him for a good many years. It was Sheriff Cook who spoke. During the last mile of the trip to Wickham's ranch, the Lone Ranger had asked quite a number of questions. But why is it, inquired the masked man, that he's so little known around the country? I find people who have lived around here just as long as he has, who have never seen him. He don't work like other cattlemen. He hires men to do all his work for him. Not only the wrangling and herding and branding and all that sort of thing, but the selling and everything else, including the collecting of cash and banking even, down in the showdown. What does he do with all his time? Well, Sheriff Cook reflected for a moment. He does some writing and considerable reading. Said he's got more books in his house than all the other folk in the state put together. Most every month or so, there's a case of books that comes from the east for him. He pays his men pretty well, doesn't he? Better than anyone else around here. He demands a lot of his men, but he's willing to pay for it. What does he demand? Oh, he won't let them head for a drinking spree on payday. He don't like for them to mix none with the waddies from the other ranches. And he fires a man if he hears he's took a drink. Things like that. The sheriff tried to answer all the questions asked by the Lone Ranger, knowing that there was a motive in the masked man's desire for information. I know what you're driving at, he stated after a pause of several minutes, broken only by the steady rhythm of the horse's hooves. You got a notion that Grant Whitcomb is mixed up in the Night Legion. But it can't be, because he was here when the Night Legion worked down in Texas. Just how did his place happen to be called the Hoodoo Ranch? Tain't nothing you can put your finger on. Some addle-headed Injuns just started that story. Well, there wasn't nothing to it. One time when old Walrus rode by the place, he heard a man's screaming bloody murder. So he come for me fast. We went there and the hullabaloo wasn't nothing but a man named Scar Fenton with a toothache and a couple of men was pulling out the troublemaking tooth. It was all over when we got there. On that trip, did you see Grant Whitcomb? Yeah, but he was having eye trouble from too much reading, so he didn't stay long. Had to sit in a darkened room while we talked. Well, there's the ranch. Looks sort of deserted. Don't see nobody around. None of the men were visible as the riders came near. The Lone Ranger recalled the same absence of men on his previous approach to the place. But as before, he didn't attribute much importance to the fact. The Wickham Ranch extended over thousands of acres, and the men might be anywhere on that vast expanse attending to some of the innumerable chores. They came close to the house and drew up the horses and dismounted. Wickham should be inside. It said that the sun hurts his eyes, so he don't leave the house much in daylight. He hammered on the door and then waited for a response. Curious, he muttered and then hammered louder. Still no response. Maybe sleep. Well, the old Indian woman that does his cleaning and cooking should be there. Slipping his gun from its sheath, 
The sheriff used the butt to pound on the door in a fashion that would waken the loudest sleeper. He sent Tex Wilson to investigate the rear door of the far-flung house. Better take Dave along with you, he advised. The two youthful deputies moved off. The door is probably unlocked. I'm just going to walk right in, suggested the Lone Ranger. He tried the door and found he was correct. It swung open easily on well-greased hinges. With Cook and Walrus close behind him, the masked man stepped into the big living room where Marge and Sally first saw their Uncle Grant. The windows were tightly curtained and the hangings drawn together to shut out most of the late afternoon light. The house seemed cold and damp, and utterly lacking in warmth or cheer of any sort. There was a clamminess that a fire in the huge fireplace would have driven out, but no fire burned, and there were no ashes of a recent fire, and no wood laid for a future one. The Lone Ranger thought he heard a shuffling sound. He whirled quickly from the fireplace and saw Natacha standing in the entrance of a hallway that ran back into the other part of the big building. Natacha? he inquired. The wrinkled-faced old woman nodded slowly but didn't speak. Sheriff Cook and Walrus brushed past her with guns held ready. Something seemed to tell them that things in the house were not as they should be. Rather than waste time trying to put questions to Natacha, Cook had decided to investigate for himself. The masked man was about to follow, but a hand with fingers like the talons of a bird of prey closed on his arm. You wait, muttered old Natacha. The Lone Ranger paused and looked at her through the slits of his mask. Her black eyes burned fiercely directly into his. I will show you, she added. He wondered if this might be some sort of a trap. He could hear the rear door open as Tex and Dave Sands were admitted by the sheriff. Then he heard their voices as they divided into pairs to begin a systematic search of the place. Why had the crone singled him out as the one to confide in? He was about to leave her and join the others when she spoke again. Other men, do not bother with Natasha. You maybe listen. She was offended. That was it. The others hadn't bothered to seek aid from her. She'd shown them, by assisting the masked man, that their oversight and disregard for an old woman would cost them information. You lead, and I will follow, the Lone Ranger told her. She turned and shuffled down the hall, pausing at a door on her left. From beneath a huge apron, probably from a pocket in her skirt, she took a key and unlocked the door. She stepped inside a neatly furnished, immaculately clean bedroom, and with the toe of her moccasined foot, kicked aside a hooked rug on the floor. A trap door with an iron ring sunk into the wood was exposed to the gaze of the Lone Ranger. Pointing to the ring, Natacha said, You lift! Alert, wary for some sort of trap, the Lone Ranger bent and gripped the ring with one hand, keeping the other in close proximity to one of his heavy guns. He lifted the square of wood came up on hinges. He threw it back as far as the restraining piece of cord would let it go, then looked into the opening. There was a flight of stairs going down into blackness. The Lone Ranger drew a gun and held it in readiness. As he peered downward, trying to penetrate the utter darkness, he heard a movement behind him and turned quickly. 
but it was merely Natacha, removing the glass chimney of an oil lamp. She struck a match and held it to the wick. The lamp flared up smokily until the chimney was replaced. Then it burned with steady brilliance. The old woman held it by the glass bowl with the handle, pointing toward the masked man. You take this, she muttered. Go downstairs. Still suspecting it might be some sort of trap, but willing to take any risk that would make whatever menace the cellar held assert itself, the lone ranger gripped the handle of the lamp and holding it high, descended into the depths. His high heels clumped on each step. Halfway down, he paused and tried to pierce the gloom with his eyes. He saw nothing beyond the small area lit by the lamp. Finally, he reached the bottom of the stairs and saw that the ground was hard-packed earth, the surface of which was slightly moist and slimy. Here he again paused, holding the lamp above his head, he knew that presently his vision would improve, as his eyes became accustomed to the darkness. But in the meantime, he didn't propose to be a handy target for whoever might be lurking in the cellar. He turned the wick of the lamp down slightly and placed it on the floor beside him, then moved a couple of paces to his right. While he waited for his eyes to adjust themselves, his ears were tuned to catch the slightest sound of motion. He heard a drop of water fall into what seemed like a small pool but it was far from where he stood. He tried to determine the direction of the sound, but found this impossible. After moments that seemed like eternity, he again picked up the lamp. Holding it in his left hand while his right hand grasped his forty-five, he moved ahead. Cautious, lest there be some sort of pit into which he might easily drop, he felt his way with one foot, making sure it was on firm ground before shifting his weight. Step by step, he progressed, holding his gun hand out in front of him. Presently, his hand came into contact with an obstacle. He felt a cold and slippery surface which proved to be a stone wall, the side of the cellar. He turned to the left, keeping close to the stone wall as he went on his way, trying to see beyond the small circle of light cast by the lamp. In places, there were shallow pools of water on the floor, but the deepest of these was less than an inch. Probably seep through the stones, he reasoned. After a couple of dozen cautious steps, he came abruptly to another wall, running at right angles to the first. He turned left and began following the second wall of the cellar, but he suddenly stopped. He thought he'd heard someone or something move. Might have been a rat, he thought. There must be lots of them down here. The place smelled musty and didn't seem to be used at all, not even for storage. He wondered why Natacha had sent him down here. He moved on for perhaps a moment when the light fell on the thing that brought him to a halt. It was the figure of a man sprawled on the ground. The Lone Ranger dropped to his knees and set the lamp down on the floor. Then as he felt for the man's pulse, he heard another sound. It was a distant, dull thud. He glanced at the stairs, which had been slightly illuminated by the light from the bedroom above. But now those stairs weren't visible. He was trapped. Trapped in this cold, vault-like place, just as the man on the floor beside him must have been. Natacha had tricked him neatly. That was what he thought. His first impulse was to race across the cellar, 
hurry up the stairs and see if the door was locked, and he restrained himself. If the intention of Natachao was to lock it, to bar his exit from this place, she would have already done that by the time he got there. There was a flutter of life in the man whose arm he gripped, and nothing could be lost by seeing if there was anything he might be able to do to aid whoever it might be. Natacha hadn't meant to trap him. She'd heard Sheriff Cook and the deputies coming from the room. The door which stood open, and then closed the trap door, hurriedly covering it with the oval rug. And she was just in time. The lawmen entered the room in their systematic search. Darn funny, growled the sheriff. Where's everybody gone? Where's the masked man gone? asked Tex Wilson. We ain't seen him since we came into the house either, added Dave Sands. This place just ain't right somehow. His horse is still outside. He can't be very far away, said Walrus. Is the horse tethered? asked Tex Wilson. Walrus shook his head slowly that it was not. And the masked man ain't far from here. Knowing that hoss as I do, it wouldn't hang around here if its master wasn't right close by. The sheriff moved to face Natacha squarely. You savvy English? he asked. The woman nodded. And where is Grant Wickham at? She signified she didn't know. Did he ride away from here? Again the crone shook her old head slowly. I do not know. They ain't no use to questioning her. Walrus growled as he whittled a slab of tobacco with his knife. She wouldn't tell the truth even if she wanted to. Taint a habit with her breed. He packed a wad of brown stuff in his mouth and began chewing energetically. In his hand, the sheriff held a sheaf of papers taken from an old desk found in Wickham's bedroom. He paused long enough to study them while the others waited. Whatever else he'd done, Grant Wickham sure saved his mail, he commented, noting the years-old dates on some of the missives. Who are they from? asked Dave Sands. Couple from his brother before he died, and then the girls took up the writing. Most of the others are from one of the girls. Feeling that he was within his rights, but disliking the job just the same, Sheriff Cook scanned hastily through the letters scrawled by Sally and meticulously written by Marge. Here's one, he observed, where she tells about the map her pa left and mentions Joe Frisbee. He read further. Says she's coming out here to live. Well, that explains one thing, observed Tex Wilson. It tells how the Night Legion knowed there was a map. It makes us all the more sure that one of the men that had access to this house is a member of the Night Legion. But it don't find the Lone Ranger. The sheriff stuffed the letters into his pocket and turned quickly, determined to scour the house a second time, if necessary, to find the Lone Ranger. See here, too, growled a voice. The men all looked toward the speaker. Grant Wickham stood in the doorway of the room. It looks like I got visitors, he observed with an angry glint in his small black eyes. Chapter 20 The Outlaw Roundup Marge, in desperation, sought to prolong her life as much as possible. 
Knowing that as soon as the men in Flynn's cave had the map they sought, they'd kill her without mercy. She evaded the hooded man's questions as long as possible. Then, when the other men in the dark cavern began to stir restlessly and suggested that a branding iron might bring the information they wanted, she told the man of the hood that she had placed the map beneath the oval rug in her bedroom in the house. In that, she told the truth. She didn't add that the map had been taken from its hiding place and was at that moment in her shoe. The boss snarled in cursing fury at the statement. Scar offered to ride back to the house and get the map. I can be there by sundown and back here by midnight, he explained. But his offer was turned down. The boss decided he himself would ride back to the Whitcomb Ranch. For the benefit of the men who didn't know his identity, he said, I'll manage to sneak in and out without being seen. And then he rode away with strict orders to keep a close watch on the girl. When Grant Whitcomb reached the house, he saw the white horse of the Lone Ranger and the horses ridden by the lawmen. He went into the house to comment on the visit. Is there something you gents want here? Yes, there is, Whitcomb. Sheriff Cook did the talking. There's a few things we'd like to talk to you about. In the first place, we got reasons for thinking one of your men is in cahoots with the Night Legion. Whitcomb's eyes went wide in astonishment. You don't say, huh? What reason you got for thinking that? We got to where some of the Night Legion met and found a button from a fancy vest. Cook didn't go into detail as to how the button happened to be found. Miss Sally come to showdown wearing that same vest with the button missing, and she got it from a peg in your saddle house. We'd like to find out whose vest it is. I'll find out for you. I'll consider it a personal favor, Sheriff, if you let me drill the skunk myself. If I find one of my men associated with that outfit, I'll kill him. His voice had a ring of sincerity, which wasn't feigned. He would kill Scar at the first opportunity. Scar had left another loose end. Another thing, continued Sheriff Cook. We ain't seen anything of the oldest or your two nieces. Ain't she around the house? Grant Wickham's mind was working rapidly. He suspected that Sally had told the lawmen all about the events since her arrival at the house, and reasoned that the best way to avert any suspicion in the minds of the lawmen would be frankness. You see, he said, I thought one of the night legion was hanging around here, so I told both girls to stay inside the house and posted guards to keep them here. The youngest, though, sneaked out of the house before daybreak and headed for town. Then I found out from some of my men that the man that was around here was the Lone Ranger, not a member of the Night Legion. I was glad of that, because it meant the girls wouldn't have to stay so close to the house. I took Marge for a little ride on horseback, starting out this morning. Where is she now? Did she come back with you? Grant Wickham shook his head. Nope. We got as far as the west boundary of my land, and she wanted to stay and watch some of the boys do Brandon. So I left her there and come back alone. Your eyes seem okay right now. They was this morning. Wickham blinked a couple of times and rubbed his eyes with a knuckle of his fist. But they got to bothering me after being out all day. That's why I come back ahead of Marge. His tongue was glib in the explanation all Sheriff Cook could look for. He didn't have any reason to suspect Grant Wickham of anything out of the way in the first place. 
Just one more thing. You mentioned the Lone Ranger a while back? Whitcomb nodded. He came here with us, but we can't find him. Have any idea where he might be? Well, how would I know that? Well, we hunted through the house. We ain't seen him. Is there any place that he could have gone to search that we don't know about? Did you look at the saddle shed? By thunder, exploded Walrus. That's where he went, of course. He went to see if them boot marks was anywhere around. The lawman trooped from the room while Natacha and Grant Whitcomb remained behind. At a gesture from the man, the Indian woman also left. Then the boss quickly kicked back the hooked rug and looked on the floor. He saw no sign of any paper there. She lied to me, he growled softly. He lifted the rug and shook it and looked on the other parts of the floor and saw no map. He turned, leaving the rug where it fell, to ask Natacha about it. At the door, he heard a creak, then a thud. He whirled to see a man's masked face appearing in the opening. With an animal-like cry of rage and fury, Whitcomb snatched at his gun. There was a shot and flame lashed from the gun held by the Lone Ranger. The silver bullet slammed into Grant Whitcomb's weapon with a force that sent the six-gun, hurtling in an arc to strike the wall six feet away. Bellowing like an angry, wounded bull, the big man wrung his stinging hand. Make a move, commanded the masked man, and I'll let you have the next slug where it'll hurt a lot more. He leapt nimbly from the stairs, covering Grant Whitcomb with both guns, while the lawmen, attracted by the sound of gunfire, returned on the run. What does this mean? yelled the sheriff. He shot Grant Whitcomb, bellowed Walrus. Whitcomb, screaming in pain and rage, commanded the lawmen to open fire on the Lone Ranger. He's the man you want! He's, he's the one in the night, Legion! he howled. Stand where you are, snapped the Lone Ranger, holding his guns leveled at the astonished lawmen. We'll find out who is a member of the Night Legion. The man you want stands right there before you. That can't be. That's Grant Whitcomb, argued the sheriff. Grant Whitcomb has been imprisoned in the cellar of this place for weeks. You'll find the real Grant Whitcomb right down there. This man came here from Texas. Heard that Whitcomb was very little known or understood, so he came here and took over the ranch. To carry out his deception, he had to shave the top of his head and his eyebrows. You can see a little stubble already growing in. Jamming one gun in the holster, the Lone Ranger advanced quickly, grabbing the shirt of the imposter and dragged out something black. Here, he cried exultantly. I saw the end of this showing from beneath his shirt. He held the fabric up where all could see it, and unquestionably it tagged the big man for what he was. It was a hood, such as those worn by the Night Legion. A couple of you get down there below and help the real Grant Wickham. He's weak and suffering from a bad cold, but proper care will make him well again. As he spoke, the Lone Ranger rapidly felt the pockets of the glowering man. A slight crinkle of paper attracted his exploring fingers and dipping into the pocket he brought out a map, or rather, half a map. He identified it quickly. Did you get this from Marge Whitcomb? He snapped. No! Where did you get it? It's mine. It, that is, 
The man who had posed as Grant Wickham found himself stammering now for the first time, face to face with peril, and without hordes of two-gun killers to back him up. He was panic-stricken. Where's the girl? I told you. You lied. The words leapt from the Lone Ranger's lips like a crackle of a whip. Now tell the truth. Where is she? I, I told you the truth. I, I left her. I'll get the truth. The masked man quickly jammed his other gun into leather, then unhooked the heavy belts of the cartridges. Hold these, he said, passing the Tex Wilson. Dumbly, not knowing what was to come, the Texan grasped the belt. Then the slender figure of the Lone Ranger leapt into dazzling action. He launched himself toward the heavy man and drove a hard fist with stunning force into the small, round nose. He brought his other fist around to meet the boss's head, high on the cheekbone. He punished the big man with a hard jab to the bulky stomach as he bent over with a grunt and a gasp for breath. The Lone Ranger brought another fist up to meet him at the point of the chin. The fraudulent Grant Wickham would have slumped to the floor, but the masked man gripped him, holding him on his feet. Talk, he barked. Where is Marge Wickham? Don't hit me again. Don't hit me, begged the boss. Where is she? The Lone Ranger was spurred to a fury such as he had never known. Here before him was the leader of the fiendish killers he had trailed for so long. Here in this huge bulk of a man was the ferocious outlaw, whose followers had wiped out all the masked man's friends in ruthless and wholly uncalled-for cruelty. Now the much-feared boss had become a sniveling coward, begging and pleading for mercy. The Lone Ranger had no place in his heart for mercy or sympathy. Hanging would follow in due course, but first... There was an unholy satisfaction in feeling his fists punish this hateful creature whose sadistic nature brought torture and death to so many fine men of the West. Tell me where the girl is, or I'll beat you within an inch of your worthless life. The boss shook his head dumbly. All right, all right, he muttered. Lone Ranger let go his hold on the big man, and his knees buckled slightly. He staggered to keep his footing, when again a hard-driven fist caught his badly battered nose, and a crossed-over hook followed at the point of his jaw. A sharp crack of bone on bone, and the boss slumped to the floor unconscious. Breathing hard from his exertions, the lone ranger stepped back a pace and looked at the bulk of battered flesh in disgust. Walrus, anxious to contribute to the affair, emptied the pitcher of water over the boss's face and head. Fetch him round, he muttered, so that you can start where you left off. But now the fury of the Lone Ranger had died down. He couldn't strike the big man again. The burning rage that had driven him before was gone. The battered lips of the boss were moving, and the Lone Ranger buckled his six guns back into place. Sheriff Cook kneeled beside the boss and heard him muttering, don't let him hit me again. Don't let him. Then talk, ordered the grim lawman. Talk or you'll get worse than what you got before. It's Flynn's cave. Flynn's cave? Is that where the girl is? The boss nodded, then said, Don't let that masked man at me. Flynn's cave, shouted the sheriff. 
That's where the girl is, and if she's there, she's being held a prisoner. That means there'll be more of the Night Legion there. Then, let's up an item, howled Walrus. There's five of us, and if we can't wipe out any 50 of those polecats... He paused to look at the masked man, who nodded his head. Then I don't know the Lone Ranger. The Lone Ranger was already on his way. The door ahead of him flew open, and he raced for silver. He vaulted into the saddle while the others fumbled with the tethers of their own horses. Come on, Sheriff Cook cried. He yelled to Walrus. You stay back long enough to hogtie that killer, then come after us. Already the masked man on the white horse was streaking into the distance, and his voice trailed behind him. Hi-ho, Silver! Away! The battle at Flynn's cave was shorter than the lawmen would have thought. They arrived in the vicinity just in time to see the Lone Ranger charge directly into the cave, despite the gunfire that was coming from within. The very speed and fury of the charging white stallion carried the masked man inside the cavern before a bullet could bring him down. Once there, the rearing horse, the pounding hooves, the slugged gun butts, and the stark surprise of the attack kept the outlaws busy while the lawmen closed in. The fight was over in a moment, and Marge Whitcomb was found badly frightened, but quite unharmed. Instead of heading back to the ranch, the girl was taken to showdown, which was considerably nearer. She spent the night there with Sally, who was finally released from the jail, while Tonto grinned at all the things the blonde girl said to him. The Lone Ranger and Old Walrus returned to the ranch. There, with the aid of Natacha, they gave the real Grant Whitcomb every possible attention. The next day, lawmen came to take the boss to join his comrades at a trial preliminary to their hanging. Then it was a full week before the owner of the ranch, the real uncle of Marge and Sally, was able to sit up and realize he was actually alive. He explained how he'd been kept alive so the imposter could ask questions of him, if necessary, and how Natacha had purposely put the girls in this room first and then done other small things, trying to point out that all was not as it should be on the ranch. The boss had sworn to her that all her tribe would be wiped out if she dared double-cross him. There was a great reunion in the big house when the sisters finally arrived in response to the Lone Ranger's message to them. They found their real uncle all that they'd hoped he might be. Tex Wilson's eyes were for no one but Marge, so he came with her while Dave Sands accompanied Sally. In the week the girls had been in town, the four had become close friends and Sheriff Cook confided to Old Walrus that he'd soon have to hunt up a couple more deputies to replace the ones who seemed on the verge of marrying as soon as a couple of charming girls would consent. There were two unoccupied chairs at the huge table that fairly groaned under its burden of food prepared by Old Natacha. The Lone Ranger and Tonto had been invited to the celebration feast, and they were there, but unseen by the others. They stood beside their horses, looking in the window at the happy faces. We finally have the Night Legion, the masked man told his Indian companion. But there are countless other outlaws to be run down, and there are so many people who need justice that, well, good friend, I think as long as we've made the name Lone Ranger mean something, 
he can continue to help people. Tonto nodded, agreeable to anything his tall white friend suggested. I'll not unmask just yet. I want to carry on just as the Texas Rangers would if the Night Legion hadn't wiped them out. He mounted Silver, the mighty stallion. At the table, Sheriff Cook lifted a wine glass and rose from his chair. I want to give a toast to the man that smashed the Night Legion all to smithereens, he said. The others rose to their feet. Marge gripping the hand of Tex while Dave Sands fumbled for that of Sally. Walrus, with his mouth cramped full, was the last to get to his feet. To the man who found Joe Frisbee. The man who stopped the Night Legion from getting these two girls. The man who found the glass button and the man who, from the start, led us in the hunt for the Night Legion. One minute. It was the real Grant Wickham who spoke. To the man who found the way to put both parts of the map together. The man that showed where these girls can go to claim the birthright of their father. The Lone Ranger. They all drank, including old Natacha, who stood just beyond the door to the kitchen. As if in response to the gesture, a call rang out on the plains and fell upon the ears of those assembled. It sounded so faintly that they were not certain whether it was real or imaginary. I'll Silver away! The Lone Ranger was riding with Tonto toward new adventure. The End We hope that you've enjoyed this Uvula Audio presentation of The Lone Ranger and the Mystery Ranch by Fran Stryker. This is your narrator, Jim Campanella. The magnificent Western theme for this novel was composed by Download Production Music and is available online from SoundDogs.com. Most of the sound effects that were used for this production that were not produced in-house at Uvula Audio were also obtained from SoundDogs.com. Please feel free to write us and tell us what you think at Uvula Audio at uvulaaudio.com. You can also become a Facebook fan of Uvula Audio. Just do a search for Uvula Audio on Facebook or do it from the main Uvula Audio webpage. As usual, check out our Cafe Press website for t-shirts, mugs, etc. For other Uvula Audio titles, please go to our website at www.uvulaaudio.com. We are listed on iTunes and you can subscribe and download our podcasts from free from there. If you like our podcasts, please feel free to tip us whatever amount you may like using the secure PayPal links at uvilaaudio.com. From all of us at Uvila Audio, we thank you. <laughs>